It's, um, it's great to be able to carry on with um, our, our series in Colossians. So if you haven't turned or swiped in your Bible yet to Colossians, please do so. We're going to read one verse with each other or together this morning. So why don't you say with me, one verse. Now, one verse can change your life forever. You know that. How many of you know how many verses there are in the Bible? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone who guess? I don't know, so don't wait for me to answer it. <laughs> and listen, I had time to prepare the word, not just to count all the verses. Give me a time to just do what is needed. You want to take my notes? Where's your iPad? I don't know, Paul. <laughs> I cannot be held responsible for all your stuff. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to read together Colossians 3, verse 15. That was easy to find, amen? Some of you? Uh-huh. Others still looking? Others are looking up and seeing it's on the screen? Uh, lucky ones. Why don't you just read this with me? Uh, you don't have to say it out loud. It's just going to say the following. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you, say with me you, say with me me. It's actually you, hey, not me. It's you. It's all of us. Uh, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And then the last bit is just thrown in there, but it's still so very powerful. And it says, and be thankful. So this morning, as we journey through this series called Jesus Plus Nothing, uh, the title of our message is simply this, the peace of God in and through us. The peace of God in and through us. And this is the key, is that often we want the peace of God in us. How many of you want to live with the peace of God on you? constantly. Oh, man, it's so nice to have the peace of God, isn't it? Uh-huh. How many of you want to let the peace of God through you influence other people? So as much as you want it in you this morning, be warned that it has to go through you. You're ready to sign up for that? So I just want to know why some people are sitting at the back this morning where they're normally sitting in the front. I'm just curious. Anyway, don't look behind you. Remember Lot's wife? You guys are so curious, eh? <laughs> anyway, so um, we're going to break our, our, um, our conversation this morning into three parts. And because we're talking about peace, I had to use a P to kind of match with that. So just bear with me. It just wouldn't make sense to talk about the solidity of peace or the success of peace. You're going to have to use a word with a letter starting with a P, isn't it? Thank you for that confirmation. Very kind of you. Anyway, my first P is talking about the person of peace. So we're going to discuss three Ps this morning. The person of peace, the purpose of peace, and the power of peace. But first of all, I'm going to just look at the person of peace. And suddenly I went louder. <laughs> is that better? It's not my heartbeat. Um, so the person of peace, quite interesting if I can just read this to you. It says that some... When we talk about the absence of peace, we're talking about the absence of a person in the lives of people. So when you say, for instance, in a particular environment that there's no peace, it's a very harsh statement in a sense to make because then you're actually saying that there are no people living there with a person of peace in them. So when you look at a country that's at war at the moment, I mean, there's this strife and there's turmoil. Let's talk about Syria, for instance. And people say, well, there's no peace there. 
Peace is not an element that you pick up from the shelf somewhere. Peace is a person. In other words, if you say that there's no peace, you're saying that Christ is not evident in the lives of any person in that particular place. Because the Prince of Peace, whose name is Jesus Christ, Isaiah 9 verse 6 is where we find the fact that Isaiah was already prophesying about this wonderful counselor, mighty one, and he said the Prince of Peace will come. Who is? Jesus. So the point is, when we talk about the absence of peace, we're actually saying God is not there. Do you realize that? Because peace is not an attribute only. Peace is a person. Now when you consider the stats, I found this, and um, don't go and quote me necessarily on it, I just read it off the internet. It says that some historians, and they did some incredible study, have come up with some startling information. They say since 3600 B.C., plus what do we have now? 2019. So add your own maths there for it, or your figures. It's about 5,000 years. In the last 5,000 years in the history of humanity, the world has known only 292 years of peace, where there has been no period of war. They reckon during this period, there have been 14,350 wars, large and small, in which, listen to this, 3.64 billion people have been killed. It's amazing when you add figures, eh? We just, can, we just look back, uh, many of us can look back and, and think of the, the Second World War, and we know some stats from that, a couple of million people dying there. But that's how far often our memory would go. We don't know what has happened. Some of us don't even know what, what happened in various countries and how many million other people were killed. But that's, a, in a sense, the capacity of our memory. When you do a study like this, you realize, boy, but there's been some turmoil in this world for many thousands of years, and it's cost the lives of billions of people because there's an absence of peace. And the absence of peace is not something that the government is responsible for. It is the person themselves responsible for that. So when there's no peace in our nation, we're actually saying, well, there's no individual that carries within them the testimony that the Prince of Peace is active in their lives. So don't go around just quickly just saying there's no peace. <laughs> because the peace is a person. And so that's why we see, when we look at these stats, that the world desperately needs peace. But they don't need just peace as a, as a statement that says, oh, we live in Sweden or we live in Switzerland and it's so peaceful here. <laughs> the peace is, is a person who takes residence in someone's life by you submitting to the lordship of him. And his name is Jesus Christ. So how many of you have peace this morning? Come on. Come on. It's because there's a testimony in your life that Christ is Lord and He brings peace because of His presence. Hey, that's another P. And so the gospel is this thing that brings peace into our lives and it comes through a person whose name is Jesus Christ. That's why you want peace, it's Jesus plus nothing. You're desperate for peace in your world and in your environment, it's Jesus plus nothing. In your life, in your relationships with people, it's Jesus plus nothing. 
He is the one. Let's read this verse in Romans chapter 5. I love this. Are you going to throw it up there, Meg, or am I going to read it? Oh, you're so good. Well done, Meg. Thanks for doing all of this for me. It again makes me look good, and I need that. Romans 5, this one. You're good? And um, it says the following. Oh, there you go. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest peace that people need is this kind of peace. When your world is falling apart, when we have 14,500 wars that have happened over the last couple of centuries, it is because there's no peace with God. But it is possible because of the gospel entering our lives. And the gospel is a person, Jesus Christ. It says, therefore we have been justified by faith. We can be in relationship with God through our belief in what He has done for us because we have peace with Him through Jesus Christ our Lord. And friend, if you don't have peace today in your life, my question, first of all, is not what have you done? Have you tried to kind of change the mode in your house and turning on nice music and changing the scenery, nice different colors on the walls to bring a peaceful environment and kind of stuff in the corners that some people believe could help bring peace? Peace starts from within, and His name is Jesus Christ. And if you lack peace, I dare you to get to know the Prince of Peace. It'll change your life forever. And so that's what Romans says, is that it comes through this person. And Paul then, if we go back to Colossians, clearly talks about a different kind of peace that we, that we need. It's not the peace that man tries to manufacture. Because all over the world, people are, hey, peace, brother. Just peace, hey? I mean, we all kind of love for peace. If you have this Miss World contest. And they asked the ladies, so what is the one thing that you would love to see in this world? If you came and perhaps come, you know, take up the crown and, and you go around the streets of the world and go to all the nations. And what is the one thing? Oh, I really would like to see peace. You know? <laughs> Everybody wants peace, isn't it? I mean, it's such, a, it's such a kind of lame slogan in a sense, sentence these days because everybody wants peace but nobody wants to submit to the prince of peace <laughs> we want peace but it's not possible without him and so i love the fact that as believers we are encouraged that we can have peace but not the man-made peace john 14 is another wonderful scripture john 14 verse 27 where jesus says the following we're just trying to elaborate on peace, and then we'll pick it up a little bit from Colossians. Jesus says the following. He's talking to his disciples. He says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. You have to define what Jesus is talking about when he says these words. He says, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So again, if Jesus says, this is the kind of peace I will leave, then the fruit will be, if that peace is around, that my heart is not troubled and I'm not afraid. Not because I have the, the circumstances of my life sorted and it's all compartmentalized and all in place, but because I have the Prince of Peace living inside of me. That's the peace of God coming and the peace of God also 
working through us. And so if we define this word peace, we find that it's a beautiful word, a Greek word called Irene, E-I-R-E-N-E. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. When people greet, the Hebrews greet each other and they shalom, then they say peace to you. What a great blessing to make, a blessing to say to somebody, hey, shalom, my friend. So in Greek, we find that it really is the word irene, which means to join or bind together that which has been separated. So peace is not just a, a moment of tranquility. Oh, sitting on the top of the hills in Matopas, and there's such a peaceful place. Now, I don't think there's a peaceful place. I think it's a peace of mind that we have wherever we go. You can be in the middle of Harare. Imagine this. This is the worst case scenario that I'm trying to create, to create for you. <laughs> huh? There's nothing worse. I mean. it's like you can be in the middle of Harare and be at peace. I mean, I often used to go to Linquinda House there in Harare. It's, a, it's the immigration building. Man, it's not, a, it's not a relaxed place. There's nothing relaxed about Harare. The best thing about Harare is the way to Bulawayo. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so you can be in the middle of a rally and be at peace because the Prince of Peace is with you. Amen? So it's good to go out into the nature and find these moments where we can be at peace. But it is a person that we have to meet that brings peace to our lives. And that's what this word talks about. It literally pictures the binding or joining together again of that which has been separated or divided and thus setting at one again. And so you and I have been separated from God through our sin. When the Prince of Peace comes and He enters our lives, we are bound together with Him. And that's what brings peace to our lives. So instead of division, there is to be a unity or oneness. The foundational meaning of peace then is the spiritual harmony brought about by an individual's restoration with God. That's what it is. That's what peace really is. Peace is not a place. Peace is a person. And once you and I are restored to Him, and that's the spiritual harmony that we talk about, that comes about. And that's why when Paul says here in Colossians 3 verse 15, he says these incredible words. He just says, let the peace of Christ. That's the first thing we just look at. In that verse, we're just going to spend one sermon on one verse. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So it's not something else that we're looking for. It's His peace that we need. Not a peace dependent upon circumstances, but a peace that comes through a real relationship with God. This is the peace that you and I need. Question we ask ourselves, I like to throw questions out, is how much peace do you currently have in your life? Are you at peace? And it's not dependent upon the silence of this moment. Because we're going to leave from here, and go out into the streets, and live our lives. And so tomorrow, 
Well, tomorrow may be peaceful for many of us because it's a public holiday. And so Tuesday, let's talk about Wednesday. But the point is that there's a life that awaits us. That we can live within the peace of God, even though things are busy and happening and challenging. My friend, my question simply to you and to myself is, am I living at peace at the moment? Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. Are you trying to find peace in stuff and places and things and people? Or are you finding it? Are you finding spiritual harmony and meaning and purpose in your relationship with the Prince of Peace? You have to answer that question. Nobody will police you on that. But your peace is possible because of Him. The second P we want to look at in terms of our journey through um, this one verse is the purpose of peace. So Paul says to us, hey, listen, I want you to have peace of Christ, and I want you to have it for the following reason. And I want to quote just then the latter part of this verse. It says, this peace of Christ needs to rule your heart, and we'll look at that just now. It says, to which indeed you were called in one body. And in verses 12 to 14, and that's what, where's Jakob? Last week, Jakob was sharing that with us. By the way, some of our Czech friends are still around this morning, so got to be nice still and, and you know, love on them afterwards, please. Last week, he spoke to us about certain attributes that we need to have towards one another. Be compassionate, be kind-hearted, be, be humble, be forgiving, loving one another. Which means that when he now talks about peace, there's a context in which he talks about when he refers to peace. And he actually says the context is interrelationships, interpersonal relationships that we have. He's not just talking about a peace that, that we long for and, and that we need and, and that just brings this incredible tranquility to our lives. He's talking about a peace that we ought to have with each other, the second P. We need to understand the context that he's writing. So he uses these words, have compassion, be kind, be humble. <laughs> and then out of that, in verse 15, he says, let peace rule in your hearts, the peace of Christ, to which indeed you were called in one body. So the context, the purpose of peace here is one body. I don't know about you, but just a simple illustration. Have you ever seen your body at war with itself? I mean, the finger fighting the other hand and the one ear trying to overcome the other ear. Say, I oh, are better than you. Huh, anyone? Or the one eye saying, I can see further than you. <laughs> I'll show you. Or, or the one foot trying to be faster than the other foot or leg. I mean, there's incredible unity here, isn't it? I don't know. Have you ever seen that? Where the one arm is trying to be stronger. I'll tell you, buddy, I'll show you. I'll be stronger than you. And we kind of wrestle each other. I don't know how you do that as one arm against the other. But there's no inner fighting. There's complete peace here. <laughs> We're working together well. Like my mind is saying to my tongue, listen, now you've got to speak. And my tongue is like, mm, I want to do it. <laughs> I don't want to say I want to say 
So it's impossible, isn't it? I mean, there's complete submission. But yet we find that in one body, the body of believers is like, <laughs> I don't like that one. I prefer those. Well, they just not like me. I'm better, or I feel worse. I feel inferior. Within one body, we have feelings of inferiority or superiority. And there's this inner fighting. Why? Because the Prince of Peace, I dare to say, has not been allowed to rule. Once he takes rulership in our lives, then Clive is my brother. And although he's different than me, I can work together with him. I can embrace him. I can support him. I can submit to him. I can love him. And, and we joke about the hand and the foot trying to fight each other, which we know doesn't happen. But we see that happen in the body. And so Paul says, if the prince, this kind of peace, lives in your heart, the context in which that should be applied is the body, is us, and beyond. When another church battles in town, our heart should ache. And not marvel at it and say, yeah, I can't believe it, but they're kind of running empty. And your things are going well at King City Church. Praise the Lord. No. Their ache is my ache. Their pain is my pain. Because we're one body and we function together through peace. Because our Prince of Peace has taken hold of our hearts. And therefore, we can reach out to each other and say, your pain, your successes are my successes. Your pain is my pain. And Paul presents us with this context. And he says, guys, look out for one another. That's why Colossians 1 verse 15 to 19 is a portion of scripture that you should study. And, and I'm going to look at it because we have. But, but it actually talks about Christ's rule and his authority in our lives. That if he's in charge and if he's in control of our lives, he as a prince of peace comes. But then he also can not just function in our lives as the prince of peace, but he can function through our lives as the prince of peace. So that brings us back to the first question we ask is how many of us want peace in our lives currently? Yeah. How many of us want the peace to function through us to affect the people that we are not at peace with at the moment. Not too many hands raised for that often. But Jesus calls on us. He says, if I am your Prince of Peace, and I bring peace to your life, I want you to take it to people that you don't think deserve it. But neither have you, yet I've given it. And so why don't you make it available to them? We are called to this peace, to peace with God as our privilege and peace with people as our duty. We don't deserve peace with God. None of us do. We're at war. We're born to be at war with God. 
But because of him taking the initiative, he brings peace to our lives. Romans 5 verse 1. And because he brings this wonderful privilege to be at peace with God, he says, I want you to be at peace, bring peace to people as your duty, as your godly responsibility to make available to others. Because the one affects the other. Peace with God, peace with people. There's no guarantee that there will be, but we're called to a lifestyle to make it possible. The third P I want us to look at is the, is the power of peace. Paul says, if we, if we focus again on, on that one verse, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you call, indeed you were called in one body. So we've talk, spoken about the peace of Christ, comes through Him. We spoke about the context in which this peace should function, that's the body. Then we see that there's power in this peace, because it should rule in our hearts. With this being the context, of, if, if it's people-focused, Paul says, actually, this is a paraphrase. He says, let there be an umpire in your hearts to determine, to determine how you treat people around you, especially fellow believers. Why the reason I use this word umpire is because the Greek word for rule is a word that actually in this context is the only place where it's used in the whole of the New Testament. The word rule is, the Greek word is brabeo, which really means to be an umpire, to decide, to determine, to direct, control, or to rule, as it says. So we should have peace. That's why I have a whistle here this morning. As an umpire in our life. That when I negate and when I'm in relationship with people, the peace of God in me, because of the Prince of Peace living in me, should be the one that, umpires my relationships with people. What it means is really is that 